0: Come, on, come on. noah davis welcome to the noah davis watchcast i like to change my intros up every week on this podcast so that's what you get this week we'll get right into it so last week i was talking about how documentaries aren't exactly based on production and that they're based on their subject matter and while that is true and i do stand by that for the most part I will say, after watching more Dark Side of the Ring this year, I really love how they do their vignettes of their flashbacks, the exaggerated lighting, the recreations being just so far-fetched and almost to a T when it comes to how the wrestlers and the interviewees describe it. It just makes it feel much more real. It makes the flashback feel like a memory because the faces are kind of shadowed out and you can't really make out a lot, but it gets the energy and the vibe going a lot better than a pure recreation that just looks like a cheap shoddy version of a movie. It goes a much longer way to do what dark side of the ring does than to do what Netflix did with that made off Netflix original documentary thing. But Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Marty Janetti sucks? It's been a weird season because half the episodes are dark because it just makes me think this guy sucks. Like, really bad. Yeah. He sucks. Next up. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Next up, What We Do in the Shadows. Great show. If you have not watched that show, watch it now. I implore you because Laszlo, played by the great Matt Berry, is... Easily the funniest character on TV right now Just factually And yes you might not like his humor And I don't love All of his humor Because you know Toast, Toast of London I loved except it was half a musical And half the musical wasn't my thing Whatever He's hilarious as Laszlo And it's a fantastic show I'll probably never badmouth this show Unless it gets really really shit And it, it, you know it, it's, it's not done that yet It hasn't hit the territory of shitcom you know, a lot of sitcoms, it's usually the last two or three seasons just end up being shitcoms and it hasn't happened. I'm glad. It's been 5 seasons now. So, woo, you know. Now what I actually watched this week cuz I really don't talk about those two things cuz it's hard to review because I really like both of those things and it's just it's tough to review without I don't know, just explaining the episode and haha, this was funny because this scene was funny. I hate that shit. All right. Next up, Made in Abyss, The Golden City of the Scorching Sun. If you have not watched Made in Abyss, or read Made in Abyss, or heard of Made in Abyss, I would implore you to not really do it. If you have any sort of trauma, I'm talking any sort of trauma. Mentally, physical, doesn't matter. Do not watch the show. Do not participate in this fiction. It is entirely too much even as someone who i don't i don't think i have any traumatic experiences that are that crazy you know not like something that's actually scarred my brain um it's uh, it's a lot it's a lot for even me to watch it and i can not imagine if someone had a trigger or something such as that i i could not imagine watching this show it's awful (laughs) you know not that the show is awful but the subject matter and its depiction of things is awful and not in a bad way just awful in a gruesome way if that makes more sense i will say it's a pretty good show There's almost nothing like it. I'm sure the manga, I've read some of the manga and it's even more graphic and that's why I quit reading the manga. But it's a good show or a good product, maybe that's not right, good property because there's nothing like it. It has a sense of dread and a sense of horror and a sense of loneliness that... It exudes throughout the show and exudes throughout almost every single scene. It feels like you can't get away from that feeling of, Oh fuck, I'm helpless, you know, or, Oh fuck what I'm watching or who I'm watching is helpless. And it nails that feeling. It's almost an eldritch horror in that sense that there's this vast, chasm out there and you're just a speck of dust in it and this show really does that well except it's not in space that's that's the biggest difference but i would still say this is very eldritch like because of the vast horrors and the size of the abyss you know it's it's crazy how much i enjoy some of this show even though i don't enjoy some of the show let me get this straight some of the show is not really enjoyable because it just cranks things to an 11 when it really didn't need to be an 11, but it still cranks it to 11, anyways. And this season specifically is fine. I really appreciated the previous movie a lot. I really like that movie. And I, I really like the original season too. So I like this season but it's a little weak in regards to the actual story. It introduces a dual storyline, which is really cool. It's really good world building. And I'll give them that it's a, it's a really neat idea to have a dual storyline out of nowhere that connects to a newer season while also giving you origins of some of the characters and entities that you're seeing it's a really it's a really novel idea yet i do think it takes away from the development of the main three characters that being said the characters it does add i absolutely loved their backstories and their whole their whole thing they are a group of nomads and i'm not going to go into it too much but there's a group of nomads and how they get to the abyss is really dope and really fucking dreadful Absolutely love all of the scenes with them, even though it does detract from the main storyline. So while it is somewhat of a negative, I really did enjoy the scenes of the nomads in the nomadic culture that had ended up inside the abyss. There's a sense of unknown... Even after knowing things. And that's what I think the core beauty of the property show manga is. Even after you know a good deal of things. You've watched multiple episodes. You watched the movie. You watched the new season. You still don't really know what the fuck is down there. You don't know what they're going to expect. It always keeps you guessing. And maybe those guesses are, oh, how fucked up is this going to be? Yeah, sure. But... It always keeps you guessing in the fact that oh, what's this new mysterious kind of overambiguous situation they're gonna be in? You know, it's the the horrors and the labors that they go through are outerworldly, you know, <laughs> outerworldly, otherworldly, and it's it's insane. It's insane to watch. I again stress, cannot stress enough that you should not watch this if you have any sort of real trigger or anything like that. Don't watch this show, please. Just don't. Just skip. Just don't believe anything I'm saying and don't watch this show. But if you don't, or if you're okay with watching a show like that, then by all means, you know, fucking go do it. It's a great show and you should watch it. The first few episodes, I will say, are filler bullshit. So, you know, first few episodes, I mean, it's first few episodes of any show, Maybe not in any show, but a lot of shows aren't perfect and take too much time on the exposition or getting to know one singular motivation that it loses its audience because it's so hyper-focused. That being said, there's always room for balance. There needs to be room for balance and there always has to be balance. And this season, while good, while pretty damn good, it wasn't the past few episodes in movie. I love the movie. I don't know if it'll ever top the character Bondrude and his kind of character arc, if you can call it that. It's not really an arc. <laughs> it's just kind of his place in the story. I don't know if the show or manga will ever top that. I hope it does. I refuse to read past the animation because, again, manga's fucked up. So, I, I don't know if it'll ever top that, but... That is my peak of Made in Abyss, is Bondrewd and his whole shtick. Now, as a, it's almost a come down on my peak where it's like, oh yeah, this is still pretty good, but hopefully it's not going to keep going down. Hopefully this is just a little bump, you know, just a little dip and then we'll go right back up on the next season, movie, whatever they release. At least that's what I hope, you know. I hope all TV is good. I I bet that's no secret, but I hope and I want all TV to be good That being said, most TV is bad So, you know, you win some, you lose some It was a fine season, the animation's fantastic Even though they did add more 3D modeling, which I didn't really care for Yet, the 2D animation is still fantastic And almost worth a watch just for that But I would say it's not worth a watch just for that Because of my prior warnings So yeah, made in Abyss. Solid, weird fucking show. Next up, the last thing, I could have sworn I watched another movie, so I might have to make next week's episode a little longer, but I watched Smile, which is a pretty damn good horror movie. Well, you know what? It's a pretty damn good movie, and it's a great horror movie. Whether it's how well it was shot, the script and the writing is tight, it never meanders too long, the editing is nice and cool and fresh. You know, it feels modern. It feels hip. feels jazzy. Yeah, jazzy. The score, holy shit. I cannot stress this enough. I absolutely love that score. It's a... Uh, I looked his name up last night. Cristobal Day something. Cristobal, you're, if you're out there, just know I love your scoring on this movie, and I bet your other scores are just as good. And I'm curious to see those, too. Because... I was blown away by the audio design and the music of this movie because there are no pop mu- pop song bullshit. It's great. No pop songs. Like fuck yeah. And by pop songs I mean popular songs, not just pop music because people get that confused. They think, "Oh, you said pop song. You just mean pop music like, you know, Taylor Swift or somebody." No. I'm just mean pop music like ACDC in a movie is pop music Metallica in a movie is pop music Wu-Tang in a movie is pop music You know, everybody knows Cream Everybody knows Cream, period So it's pop And I hate when movies rely on TV shows Since I call it the Netflix effect I hate when movies and TV shows rely on pop music Without giving a proper explanation As to why we're relying on pop music A la Guardians of the Galaxy If you give me an in-universe canon explanation as to why these pop songs are playing, I'm cool. You know, I'll raise my hands up and say, all right, you got me. I can't really argue with that. But the second you have three pop songs in a movie or TV show, and there's no rhyme or reason other than to get people to watch it and be like, oh, you like that sequence where uh, they fought fought in the church with Freebird? I don't really care. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a cool scene. That doesn't mean (laughs) the scene needs that song. And that's the end of that rant. But Smile is a good movie. I really love the symmetrical, I was going to say symmetry, the symmetrical shots and set pieces, and even the symmetry in the characters themselves. It's as if they kind of end in the same place they begin. And that's not to say they're constant and universal straight line. It's as though the characters complete their own circle. If that makes sense, it's a circle. They're not just a straight line of boring plateau. It's a cool way to come back round and, you know, get back to the beginning or the core of the characters and does a really good job at conveying, you know, feeling crazy (laughs) or (laughs) at least this woman feeling crazy and the situation she's going into. And it does a lot of the things that you complain about horror movies like, Oh, why didn't she just tell her boyfriend? Well, she does do that in this. Oh, why didn't she tell her this? Tell him this. Well, she does do that in this. And I love when a writer can outsmart its audience before the audience even sees the movie. You know, it's not the same thing as the writer outsmarting themselves. They do that every writer does that. They outsmart themselves and you're expected to be thinking, "Oh, that's cool," even when it's not really. But what I do enjoy is when a writer outsmarts the audience. That's that's the crucial. That's the key right there is when they thought of the scenario of not only oh, how do I solve this character problem? It's, oh, how do I solve this perceived character problem? And it goes a long way for me. When your character doesn't really have any logical flaws, that's great. Like, that's dope. (laughs) Give me more of that. Please give me more of that. And if horror movies could take a lesson from this, please do so. Please. Because... I mean, you know, everybody's complaint in horror movies is like, oh, don't go in the closet. Oh, don't turn the light on. Oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Yes, that happens a few times in this, yet the actual times it matters, they were sure to address that through the character. And, you know, that's, I love that. So, Smile, good movie. I'd definitely watch it. I think I watched it on Paramount+. Plus. I can definitely see why it made money at the box office. Probably good word of mouth. But uh, I think that's it for this episode of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I will see you next week, the same time, and the same day. Hopefully, I mean, you know, we all could blow up in a giant nuclear storm caused by bombs next week. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully I'll see you next week, and there hasn't been a nuclear holocaust. I'm Noah Davis. I'm out of here.